couple of weeks off. We come back and really nothing has happened as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. They're still in a holding pattern. But we're not. We're back after a couple weeks hiatus. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show and alongside our resident Reds expert, Blake Watson. Blake, how are you after a couple of weeks off? Good, Dave, man. Been trying to enjoy some of this nice weather we've been having and doing a lot of work outside and staying busy, brother. You know how it is. Hard to believe just how nice the weather is lately, hasn't it been? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh it's it's been absolutely gorgeous. Me and my son have been in the pool about four or five times in the past week. It's been really nice. Now, tell me about your uh, family camping trip over Memorial Day weekend. We haven't been back since then, but uh, what happened? Everybody have a good time. It was great until um, Saturday night. So we left Friday afternoon, early late morning. Spent the night Friday. Had a great day Friday. Had a great day Saturday. About. Seven o'clock Saturday night, a nasty storm rolled through. Oh boy. Uh, hail. I mean, it, it was bad. It poured really bad for about an hour and a half. And we got a little bit of a break in it. So my wife and I went and checked our tent out and our tent was completely soaking wet. Um, everything in it was soaking wet. There was puddles in there. So at that point in time, we decided to pack up and go home. <laughs> oh wow. We started to pack up to go home and started pouring again. Um, so I packed up for about an hour in pouring rain, threw the tent away because I was frustrated. It, it, it ended up being a really bad night. Didn't get home until about midnight Saturday night after packing and driving home. It was, it, it was a good experience turned to a terrible one. That is the worst thing when you're out camping, you've got everything set up and then a storm like that comes through. Yeah, it was, it was really frustrating. We usually get pretty good weather up there. You know, with the humidity in Ohio, man, you never know what's going to pop up after these shower wise and, we got one, and it ended up being a bad one. Yeah. Yep. But, well, you know, Blake, really, we, you know, we took a couple of weeks hiatus, one for Memorial Day weekend, one I was on vacation last week, so we're back. But there doesn't seem to be any movement as far as when this Major League Baseball season is going to get underway, is there? If there's any movement at all, it's movement in the wrong direction. Yeah. Uh, it's they're further away from playing games than they were three weeks ago, which is mind boggling. And this is, I mean, you know, they started out with with what appeared to be about four weeks ago a real good proposal. The players' association didn't like it. They came back with something. The owners didn't like it. Now this morning, the owners have come back and basically put a new proposal on the table. And I'm just going to give you kind of the highlights because. It's really convoluted unless you make the playoffs. They're, the owners are proposing a 76-game season, which would actually start on July the 11th is when the season would begin. It would end September 27th, and the playoffs would be all done by the end of October. Now, the the players would make 75% of a prorated salary, which – you know, on the top of it, Blake, I would think that's pretty good for the players because they're losing more than half of the season. Yeah. You know, the, I, with that, that financials isn't terrible. Yeah. That they're, but with a 76 game season, they will get playoff pool money, no draft pick compensation for signing a player. The season, as I said, would finish on September 27th. There, there could be. Really, what it appears to be a significant move, according to Carl Ravitch 
of the Major League Baseball Network and ESPN, a significant move toward player demands and an effort to play more. I'm not sure how much of a significant move it is, but still, I I mean, I think the players are making out pretty well here with a 75% prorated salary paid out. Yeah, I don't, I haven't had a time to really dive into this offer. Um, Actually, my phone just popped up with the Bleacher Report story on it. And it starts with the first paragraph. There's a good chance the players will reject this latest offer. However, given that the end result isn't much different from last, from the previous proposals. So if they're going to reject it, who cares? Um, it's, it, it kills me, man. And these players are just so out of touch with reality. Um, you know, 10 million people out of work in this country right now. It's just. And that's obviously that number's coming down pretty quickly as everything starts to open back up. But millionaires arguing over millions of dollars is pretty frustrating to see when, you know, you know, I struggle to pay bills at times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, and, and I haven't went out of work for a single day during the coronavirus pandemic. Um, but it's still, you know, we two income household, we still struggle. And these guys, I could, I would have more sympathy if it was the bottom of roster guys or minor league guys all complaining about this. But the fact that it's the Trevor Bowers, it's the Mike Trouts, it's the Bryce Harpers, it's the, the, the top tier, most highly paid guys that are, you know, they make $10 million plus a year anyway. And now they're only going to make six. Oh my God, what, what the, what is the world coming to? How are you going to survive on only six million dollars a year? Um, it, and it's only one year. Like it's, we're not talking about a new collective bargaining agreement. We're not talking about the fact that their salaries are going to go down tremendously over the next 10 years. It's a one year thing to get through this, this yeah. thing the world's never seen before. They just gotta, I mean, on both sides, they gotta suck it up and make it freaking happen whatever it takes and 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 what is really kind of disgusting about it is the fact that the nba players association and the owners have been able to work together to put something together that is extremely creative that is going to begin on july 31st they've agreed to it and they really don't even know what they've agreed to All all they know is they're going to invite 22 teams in and they're going to play in orlando and las vegas and then, and that'll be basically just an eight game final regular season. And then they'll take the top 16 teams into the playoffs. They've been able to go ahead and do that after a three month hiatus. And baseball, after the same hiatus, can't come to terms on a money situation just to get through this season. It's almost incredible. Well, and it's, if you think about it, realistically, it's harder for the NBA or for, you know, the NHL did the same thing. MLS is coming back. Um, the NFL will play in the fall. I can almost guarantee it um, at this point. Whether they're fans or not, who knows, but they're going to play. Uh, it's it's just baseball. Yeah. And the, it's the one game that can't afford this. <laughs> it, it can't the, – the, you know, you and I both probably strongly remember the strike in 94. Mm-hmm. Um, and how bad that was for baseball. Baseball was completely in the dumps until 98. Like, no one went to games. Right. And they're on the verge of doing that again. I know nobody can go to games right now, but 
If this doesn't get fixed, if they miss an entire season, it's literally causing irreparable harm to the game that I love. Like, they're never going to be able to fix it. The, the thing that drives me nuts is these players need to sit back and realize what this dispute, and obviously the owners do too, but the owners are in a different situation. There's only 30 of them. Like, there's a whole different host of things with that, and they're not public-facing like players are. Right. But this is going to cost them money in the long run. If they don't play this year, the the free agents this fall are not going to make the money they would have made. Right. It's just not going to be there. They're, the money's not going to be the same as it was pre-COVID. And by not playing, you make it even worse because owners are going to be afraid to spend money and fear that no one's coming to games next year. Like, even, even if they're allowed to sell tickets next year, they might not come because they're going to be so pissed off at the, at the players. It's It's just not a good look. And it's not a good situation. They need to figure out a way to get on the field and play baseball. Now, supposedly Rob Manfred has stepped into the middle of this. I, I thought he was negotiating this thing out, but I don't know what, what Manfred does anyway. But he has come in and has said that he could conceivably unilaterally impose a 50-game season at the prorated, full prorated salaries as is allowed by the side's March deal when they put this together last March, the players would receive only about 31% of their expected usual pay. The only problem with that is, as the union has come back and told Manfred, if you do that, we're gonna, we're probably gonna rage a rogue, a rogue strike, which technically is illegal because they're already in the middle of a collective bargaining agreement. They've got an agreement that says he's allowed to do this. But, again, it's just going to feed the fire and the fuel the flames of the animosity between the players and the owners. Yeah, without a doubt. And based on the agreements that they made and being a union, if he says they have to come back, they have to come. Like, for what they agreed to, legally they have to. Now, they they do have the right to strike, but they also surrender any rights to anything future. Yeah. So... It's it, it's it's not a good situation for anybody. That's that wouldn't be good for Manfred to do that because they're, they're going to strike if he does that, and it wouldn't be good for baseball if they strike. It's just yeah. I mean, it, then it would get caught up in a in a court battle, which is just going to basically kill the season anyway. And I don't understand. And you you brought you started with this this uh, this thread of talking about the other sports, but in none of the other sports decisions. This, this, uh, discussions. Have you heard anything about money? None of them. Like no sport has claimed. I mean, MLS players get paid with peanuts sometimes. Yeah, they're not complaining about money. NHL players are not making what baseball players are making. Unless you know, you know, Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin or one of the the top guys. You're not making big, big, big money. And these guys, they want to play. NBA players have not even thought about money. The guys from the eight teams that aren't going to make the uh, the twenty two are still going to get paid something. They're going to figure. They're figuring it out. Baseball is just doing it in the worst way possible. I really thought that a couple days or last week or whatever it was, and the players came out with that ridiculous um, proposal that they had the hundred and fifteen games or whatever. There yeah. was no going to happen. Um, and the extra hundred million dollars or whatever they wanted, which was again ridiculous. Um, 
I thought it would work because I thought that at least that was bringing them back to the table. And it seems like they're just pushing further and further apart, which is crazy to me. It's funny you say that because Ken Rosenthal is saying today that he has compared the last few weeks to a bickering couple that's about to split. He said there has basically been no real conversation and certainly no negotiations trying to get this this game on the field to play. And it's amazing, Blake, because as much as you said earlier that baseball really is a game that could use the youth of America to get behind it, they could have had this entire summer to themselves. They would have had no NBA, no NHL to battle against in May, June, and July. It was just set up for them completely if they could have come to somewhere, some situation and some agreement to get back into business in the middle of June. Without a doubt. And that's what I said that earlier in one of our earlier, uh, yeah, our earlier shows is this is actually set up for baseball to hit a home run and they are striking out looking at this point. They're not even getting to the table. I mean, you look at, I don't know, they tapered off a little bit, but the rain for NASCAR have been astronomical. Um, yeah. That sports fan base is growing. I see people on social media that you would never think were watching NASCAR are locked in and watching it now because there's nothing else to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are waking up at the butt crack of dawn to watch the Korean Baseball League. <laughs> Me included. Right. You can't tell me that people aren't going to jump to watch even a bad baseball game right now. It's just they're they're just completely missing the mark. I like the the bickering couple. I feel like it's two crybaby five year olds complaining about who gets to take the ball home at the end of the game. Like, yeah, hey, it's my turn. Let's stop. Yeah, and yeah. none of neither of them are willing to bend at all. Actually. I take that back. It actually seems like the owners are willing to bend a little bit. but And it's not far enough, but the players haven't moved off their numbers at all. I want to ask you this because I'm not sure, and I'm I'm throwing this at you on the fly. We normally normally go over, you know, what our itinerary for the show is going to be, but I'm going to throw you this on the fly. As as the SID of Mount St. Joseph – the baseball team plays a majority, if not all, of their games at the Florence Yall Stadium. It used to be the Freedom Stadium. Now, that's one of the teams, i got to be honest with you, that, that has really been almost killed by this situation. They have not been able to put the tryouts together to put a team on the field. They're just doing renovations to the stadium. They're not going to have anything this summer. Just what do you think it's going to affect them, this entire thing? Oh, it's these minor leagues and independent balls – you're going to look at teams going out of business all over the country. Um, I, we have a agreement at the Mount for uh, marketing with uh, Dayton Dragons, and you know that's a that's a franchise that sold out the most games in, in a row in the history yeah. of sports. Yeah, and they're going to struggle to come back. Like we don't know that. I don't have any insider information on that, but like they're going to. It's it, every one of those small minor league teams that were they completely rely on ticket sales. They don't have TV money. They don't have you know they don't stream their games to millions of people and, and there is no it's advertising dollars and ticket sales and advertisers 
are asking for money back from these folks because what's, what am I advertising? If I spent, you know, 30 grand to advertise with the Florence Yalls this year and they don't have any games, what am I getting out of it? What, what, why would I pay that money when they can't, and it's not their fault, but they can't hold up their end of the agreement. Um, so it's going to cripple a lot of the infrastructure of baseball and it's trickling down to even to like, Small club summer ball, um, for high school kids. Like I coach a 17 and under high school team and we have kids that are on the verge of, you know, trying to get college scholarships and, but we can't travel. Um, we have parents that don't want to travel due to coronavirus concerns, which I completely get. Um, so, but it's limiting kids opportunities to. Be seen by college coaches, and there is the extended dead period for Division One and Division Two recruiting right now for through the summer. Again, affecting the kids' ability to go to college. Um, college programs are cutting baseball all across the country. Um, it's right, and that's a pretty solid program historically. Um, they've had major leaguers come through there. And, you know, they're not the only ones. I know Wright State just cut programs. They didn't cut baseball, but they cut programs, and they're at the verge of losing um, D1 eligibility because you have to have seven men and seven women's sports, and they don't have that anymore because of the sports they cut. Um, so they, they're hoping for, for a waiver from the NCAA to continue to be a Division One program. Like, it's it's hurting all over the place. There's going to be, not to mention the kids that, you know, could have been drafted or would have graduated and they're allowed to come back next year, which limits another scholarship for an incoming freshman. So these, these next two classes of high school baseball players looking to play in college are, for lack of a better way to put it, going to be shit out of luck. There's just not going to be a spot for them in a lot of places. Um, so you're going to see the, the product get, you know, watered down even more as far as good players will get pushed to lower levels. And the fact that the draft's only five rounds this year, and from what I hear, it's going to stay that way. Um, that's a whole lot of guys that would have gotten drafted and been in systems that are never going to get shot. How many, you know, how many Hall of Famers came from being drafted past the top five rounds? A whole freaking lot. Um, and it's just, it, it, the whole mechanism of baseball in this country is changing on the fly and who knows what's going to look like in a year from now. Well, the one thing that we, you, you and I are both in agreement on is the fact that the NFL is going to go ahead and play. The NBA is going to go ahead and play. I'm not sure what the NHL is going to do, but I'm sure they're going to try to get together and play. You already said that, that, uh, the soccer is going to return. They're going to come back and play some. NASCAR has been making great guns as far as, uh, you know, the only, I'm going to call this a semi-sport, Blake, um, because it's more of sports entertainment, but it's the WWE that has really fallen off the wayside with all of this going on. That's Without only, a doubt. That's really the only sport that has fallen, but, fallen off. But more than any other sport, that sport relies on uh, atmosphere in the arena. Uh, yes. Uh, and even the UFC, like the fights don't change based on atmosphere in the arena, but being scripted, being and it's pseudo scripted. I know it's not completely scripted, but you know, the, the turns and the, 
you know, a heel turn or whatever in a, in a match in front of people is huge. But when, I mean, we've all seen the videos floating around and I'm a, I'm more of an old school WWE fan. Haven't watched it in a really long time, but like the attitude era, when you heard the crashing of stone cold's glass before his music started, <laughs> that arena goes nuts. If that happened right now, it would be flat. Even watching it home, you're like, Oh, but then it goes away really quick. Um, it, it's it's definitely going to be tough for the WWE to survive without fans. I know the TV ratings are still pretty good, but it's never going to be the same product without fans in the stands. No. The, no. One, the one good news, though, Dave, is I don't know if you saw our, our message that went out last week. It looks like we're going to be playing in the fall at the mount. Yeah. Um, so, you know, college sports are, at least at the lower levels, have every intention of coming back. Um, and that's a good sign for everybody. If college sports can play, everybody can play. So we have more moving parts than almost anybody, um, with roster sizes and, you know, all the same sports going on at the same time, in the same places. Um, it's, it's, it's a good sign when, and less resources too. Yeah. It's a good sign for us, for sports in general, if we can come back successfully in the fall. And, and shameless plug, you'll be able to hear all of it on Ultimate Sports Talk. So, um, a little shameless plug there. With hopefully a new sponsor we're working on, just so you're aware. All right, good. Well, let's let's keep that under wraps until we find out about it for sure. Blake, I, I end every show. We're not, we're not at the end of the show, but I end every show over the last few weeks. Do you think they're going to play baseball? I'm going to ask you that early. Do you think we're going to play baseball this year? And I tell, I say this, I think every time you ask me that, I am a comp, constant optimist. I think they have to get it done. Um, I think they have to find a way to get it done, or baseball may never recover to the level that we are used to seeing it at. Um, so I think based on that thought, I think at some point common sense is going to prevail and they're going to find a way to figure it out. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, I don't see where I don't see how it's going to happen at this point. Uh, I I think you're right. I think they've got to find a way to do it, but I don't see how they're going to do it. So let me ask you this a different way. Let's say they do find a way to play, and the Reds or the Indians end up winning the World Series in this 2020 season. Does it cheapen the victory no. any in your mind? Absolutely not. Um, because everybody's playing by the same rules. If if there were different rules for this year, I mean, I know the rules are going to be slightly different, but it's still baseball, right? Mm-hmm. It's still and and once you get into the playoffs, especially if they do the expanded playoffs where more teams get in, the regular season in almost every sport doesn't matter that much other than qualifying for the playoffs, right? And the playoffs, although they'll be expanded, will still be you got to win three or four seven game series, right? Like it's you're going to have to do that, and if you do that, you're a, you're a champion in my eyes. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. Although there will be some of those out there that say that it's going to be a tainted a tainted championship. There should be an asterisk next to it. Whatever. I I, 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 I look at you, if my Reds win the World Series <laughs> in this short year, my ass will be at the victory parade. And I will tell you all about it for as long as I can. And I may drive three and a half hours north to go to the Indians championship parade if they end up winning it. That's the one championship that I've wanted to see in Cleveland. More than the Browns, more than the Cavs, is the Indians win a World Series. That's how much 
I love baseball. 100% I agree with that. Like, I would love for the Bengals to win a World Series. Would love for the Bearcats to win the the Final Four. Um, But that don't mean Jack compared to a World Series to me. Yeah. I also think it's the hardest to win. So, yeah. Speaking of the Bearcats, now a big controversy has come upon the University of Cincinnati baseball program, more specifically uh, their stadium, which is named Marge Shot Stadium. University of Cincinnati pitcher and senior captain Nathan Moore has called for the school to change the name of its baseball stadium from Marge Shot Stadium because it's honoring an individual who was openly racist. Now, Kevin Euclid, who used to be a big star with the Boston Red Sox, has come out and basically agreed with that assessment of Nathan Moore. He would like the University of Cincinnati to change the name to to another individual. He said that they brought up his name in renaming the stadium. I, I'm going to take first up on this, if you don't mind. Absolutely. All right. I, I know Marge shot was alleged, I mean, it, I don't know if it's ever been proven, but she was allegedly racist. All right? I, I understand that. In, in this city, Marge Schott was known as basically a very good woman who was probably dumber than a box of rocks when it came to baseball. Remember, she was the one that wanted to fire the entire scouting department because she thought that they did nothing. But under her regime... They won a World Series with Lou Pinella in 1990. Now, that being said, all of that, you know, in order for her to be, and you could probably help me on this because I haven't been able to find out, I don't know how much money she gave to the University of Cincinnati to build that stadium. I have no idea. Now, she had to give some money to the University of Cincinnati to build that stadium. Some some way, some form, she had to do something for that university to do that. That stadium is there for not only, and I know this is not going to be politically correct, and I'm sorry I'm going to say it right off the top, that stadium is not there just for the whites. It's not there just for the blacks. It's not there just for the Dominicans. It's there for everybody, anybody, and it's a recruiting tool. Now, when Nathan Moore came to the University of Cincinnati, did he decide that he wasn't going to go to the University of Cincinnati because it was named Marge Shot Stadium? No. He came to the University of Cincinnati. Why? Because he enjoyed the facilities. He enjoyed the area. They gave him a scholarship, and that's why he decided to come to the University of Cincinnati. Now he decides as a senior. He wants to stand up for his principles and yell and scream about Marge Schott being on that stadium that he has played in for three years. I can understand where he's coming from, but Blake, it's a little too late, in my opinion. Now, Marge Schott gave money. It's a recruiting tool. Even if she was openly racist, as everybody wants to say, that stadium still benefits everybody. And I think... It stays that so way. So Marge Schott donated, I just looked it up, donated, she willed $2 million to the UC Athletic Department for the baseball stadium when she died. Okay. Uh, so that's how they got the money. Originally, when I was young, that was, that was Johnny Bench Stadium, who had given a bunch of money to the, to the Bearcats for the baseball field. Um, I would tend to agree with your take. Here is what I would say to Kevin Euclid and Nathan Moore. Money talks. If Kevin Euclid wants the name of the stadium to be changed, 
he can change the name of the stadium. Kevin Euclid made a bunch of money during his time as a professional baseball player. Mm-hmm. And if he donates it, then they'll change the name. Um, as far as the kid, I mean, Kevin Euclid made a, an estimated $51 million during his playing career, just to say. Um, for the Nathan Moore kid, I get it now to an extent. But like you said, where were you three years ago? It's easy to point out issues in a time of crisis. It's hard to be the person that stands up when there's nobody else standing up. Um, and it's just easy for him being a senior, being a captain or whatever to say it now. Now, the University of Cincinnati has had a really strong group of African-American players that have played there in the past. There's always been a lot of black guys on that team, up to and including Josh Harrison, mm-hmm. who played for the Pirates, and I don't know, I think yeah. he's still around the bigs. Um, a Princeton guy, Cincinnati guy. Um, and Martin Schott, I don't know if you've ever seen the the comment she made about Eric Davis, she was absolutely a racist. Yes. Um, she called Eric Davis her million dollar N word. Um, I, I, I understand all that. I, 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 I'm trying to find the right way to put what (laughs) I feel and my feelings are, are different. Um, I, I'm a believer to my core and the freedom of everybody to do anything they want as long as it doesn't impede on other people's freedoms. Right. Um, and, that, that being said, it's hard to look away from the fact that the woman gave $2 million to the university. She gave, I mean, she gave $2 million for the stadium to be built, to be built back in 19, or I'm sorry, in 2007. Okay. Now, since that time, how has the University of Cincinnati baseball team done? They flourish. Uh, yeah, they've, they've definitely from the, their facility is very good. Yes. Uh, I've been in the annals of it. Like I've been all through their facility. Uh, we play quite a few of our games up there the last few years. I've been, the press box is gorgeous. The field turf is amazing. The stands are nice. The, Dugouts are beautiful. They have in, they have locker rooms inside the stadium. Um, it's a beautiful facility. But I don't know that yet. I mean, I, I mean, if you look up Marshall on Wikipedia, the top thing that comes up is our racism. Yeah, it, it, it it's crazy. And the thing about it is, though, this is a great way to take a bad name and use some good out of it. Yeah, I would agree with that. You can absolutely educate based on what happened. Um, oh man, it's 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 just such a layered conversation. I I don't nec- I'm not one of those people that necessarily agrees with taking down, you know, all of these Confederate statues and because somebody was a slave owner and like, obviously I'm not condoning slave owning by saying that I'm saying that in the time that they lived, 
That's the way people lived. Doesn't take away from the good things that someone may or may have not have done. If, you know, if Robert E. Lee lived today, he wouldn't own slaves. Like, that's just a fact of life. It's not okay. It wasn't okay then, but that was the world they lived in. It doesn't take away from the history of what happened in this country. If anything, like you said, it serves as a point to educate on how negative people's views can be. Um, and, and people need to – slavery obviously didn't start in America. Um, it's something that would – and in reality, America is the place where it became extinct first. Um I, I've got a funny take on the Confederate flag. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Go why, ahead. why would you want to follow a loser? <laughs> Just you know, I mean, yeah. we don't we don't hang German flags. I used to go. I used to go. So I have family. Uh, my family's originally from the Somerset area in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Two cousins that were high school football stars in Somerset High School, and we used to go down once or twice a year and watch them play. And I would, you know, I was, we're the same age. So after the games, I'd go out and hang out with them. And there was often I'd see African American players wearing the Confederate flag headband underneath their helmets. Um, and it was just a part of their reality. That was their heritage. Whether, you know, you agree with what it stood for or not, that was a part of what they grew up with. Um, doesn't make it okay, doesn't make slavery okay, but ignoring your history is not the way to move forward. Move forward by educating on your history and, you know, vowing not to let it repeat itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was... If, and I obviously working in, you know, college athletics, I can tell you that if, if I were sitting in a room talking about this, I would probably advocate to remove the name. Um, whether I agreed with it or not, which I'm not saying I do, I'm not saying I don't. Um, I'm not committing to one of those sides, but you risk alienating an entire group and reality what she said was wrong i mean i don't know it's such a crazy question there's so many layers to it but i would probably advocate for removing the name um before we move into our third and final segment of this evening's show we just want to let you know a few of the people that we're working on to get on the show in upcoming weeks um, it looks like, uh, Blake, we're going to have a good opportunity to talk with Super Joe Charbonneau coming up here in maybe the next three or four weeks, a former Indians outfielder that won the Rookie of the Year back in 1981 and then was a flameout after that. Uh, we'll be trying to get a, uh, a date set up with him. Um, also, Tom Browning, former Cincinnati Reds pitcher, and Jose Mesa Jr. We've had him on the show before in years past. Uh, he is a pitcher in the Yankees organization, and I'd like to get him on basically just to talk to him about what this has done to his career, being that the fact that the coronavirus 
has set him back basically a year from not being able to pitch this season. So those are three people that we're working on uh, coming up here in the next few weeks on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Uh, final point tonight, Torrey Hunter and Adam Jones came out. They're both former outfielders. Of course, Torrey Hunter for uh, Minnesota, Detroit, and California, the Angels, that before they switched their name to Los Angeles, and Adam Jones of Baltimore. They both came out and said that they had no trade clause con- uh, clauses in their contracts that would not allow them to be traded to the city of Boston because they felt that Boston was the most racist of any Major League Baseball city in America. Blake, I've heard that about the Celtics. I never heard that up until this weekend about the Red Sox. I think it's just uh perception of that city. And I think a lot of that is still based on the Celtics. Um, you just look at, you know, all of the Boston outside of Bill Russell and then, you know, the, the, the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, yeah. Ray Allen Celtics. Every sports star in that city look pretty similar. Um, Tuzi, Havlicek, Bird. Cowens, then you go to the baseball team, you look at the team you know, that won the World Series. Outside of Pedro and a couple of pitchers, it was really lightly complected. Um, you know, Euclid, or not Euclid, Millar. Yeah, Euclid was on those teams. But Millar, yeah, you're right. But there was a lot of, and there was a lot of Latin players on that team, but I don't think there was any black guys. Um, and I don't know that I would agree with that statement, but again, I also don't know what it's like to be a black man in the world. So, um, I think it's funny that you would put a no trade clause to one of the best organizations in the world because of that, but they have, they must have felt that way, I guess. I don't mean, well. I don't really David David Price and CC Sabathia came out and said that David Price admitted in 2016 he heard racial taunts in his first year under contract with the Red Sox, and then Sabathia opened up about the way Major League Baseball's black population views the city and the epithets hurled their way back when Jones uh, grabbed headlines in 2017 over going after a fan in Boston. Uh, I know the, the the Red Sox fans are passionate. The Celtic fans are passionate. The Patriot fans are passionate. I know the Red Sox fans are probably more passionate than, and, and it's this is arguably maybe more than any Major League Baseball team that is out there. That being said, boy, they they just hurl the the stuff all over the place. I'm not sure if it's just at the black players and they're just hearing it more, but. You know, the Dominican Republic players. Of course, Manny Ramirez was there, and they loved Manny for as long as he was there. They loved, you know, they they loved Big Poppy when he was there. But he was on their side. If you're against the Red Sox, you're against the Red Sox. Without a doubt. And I think that a lot of that is what it is. I mean, racial comments have been are a part of sports all over the world. Not again. Not okay. I'm not. I'm not condoning it, but 
but it's just kind of the reality of sports and anytime you're against us, we hate you and we'll say anything we can to try to get under your skin and upset you. But if you're for us, we're not going to say those things to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's it, another t- that really talk, talk and or think about. Um, but again, if more than one player felt that way, there might be some reality to it. Like, like, can we, can we? Wouldn't that be nice, Dave? It's, <laughs> I saw a meme on Facebook last night. Um, can somebody pull the 2020 cartridge out of the Nintendo, blow on it, and put it back in? Yeah. It's, right. It's, it's been tough, man. It's been a crazy year. I, I know, like, I'm dealing with a kid who's already has some issues socially, um, and the fact that he hasn't seen a friend and three months and it's it's just a really tough time to be in the world and it's it's you know we're dealing with racial issues and we're dealing with the coronavirus and not a, a stagnant to destroyed economy there's just nothing good about the world right now and i, I I want to I ask. Thought sports could be that thing that helps us, but it, it's it, not looking that way. I want to ask you this real quick before we sign off for the night. Absolutely, yeah. We're uh, we're working to get some kids recruited. Um, we haven't played any games yet. We practice a ton. We're practicing three or four days a week. Um. It's been hard for us because we're dealing with some parents that don't want to travel, some parents that do want to travel, um, trying to get our schedule back to where it should be, look like we're going to stay local for pretty much everything we play. Um, but as far as on the field, like we had a, a inter-squad scrimmage yesterday. Outside of the celebration of shaking hands and high-fiving, which in reality there was some of that, um, it's the game looks the same. It was a young, it was a young girl softball team. It was, I'm going to guess somewhere in the area of maybe nine, 10, 11 year olds. Okay. And the coaches were talking to the players, Blake, no, no, sem- uh, even assimilation of social distancing. No masks, no nothing. They had all of the girls, I don't know, there was probably 10, 12, 13 of them, sitting all together on one bench, right side by side, shoulder to shoulder, as they listened to the coaches, the three of them, standing no more than six feet in front of them, side by side together, talking to them about everything. That was my whole point about this. That was one of the rules that they put down in place for this to happen, that they weren't supposed to be doing that. And right away, one of the first practices, there they are doing it. Well, here, here's the deal. If, if you really do your research, when you're out, almost every, uh, every study you see says if you're outdoors, it's really, really hard to get this. Um, and I think I have really strong feelings about this whole coronavirus thing. Um, and I'm not going to get into all of those here. 
Um, I think I'll dig into it a little bit, but I think when, when this whole thing started, the models forecasted something that was catastrophic. Um, and they made decisions based on those models. And in that time, those decisions were correct. Um, but as we get further and further away from the D-Day of it, when this all really started to shut everything down, the reality is the virus does not seem to be as bad as they thought it would be. And that's reality. I mean, you almost every stat you see is 0.02% mortality rate. Any deaths are too many, and I'm not trying to say that they're not, but that's less than the seasonal flu. That's less than um, almost anything else like that. They have overshot the numbers by including deaths that aren't COVID-related, but people that show signs or test positive. It's it's just been – I think they justify the decision they made. And I think it's time for – you know, everything's opening back up, but it's time for people to – start admitting that, hey, we did our job, we flattened the curve, we may never beat this thing, just like we'll never beat the seasonal flu, um, but this is something that we can probably live with. We can probably continue to go back to our relatively normal lives with some new behaviors in place. The The idea of smaller capacities in restaurants, the idea of smaller capacities in stores, all of those things are good things. Um, and, and they all had to happen in that moment because the forecast made it seem like it was going to be the, the you know, millions of people could die. And if someone came to my desk and told me that, I would make the same decisions that they made. But at some point, the government's going to have to own up to the fact that it just didn't end up being that bad. And that's okay. It's bad, but it's not as bad as they thought it was going to be, obviously. Um, so I think the, the social distancing stuff for outdoor sports will be, it'll be in place stringent as we thought it would be. And I think that's probably okay personally. Um, again, but it's not my kid out there. I might have different, different beliefs if it were my kid out there. So it, it, it's just my opinion on the, the whole Corona thing and, I feel like in our team, we we try to observe it as best we can. We do daily temperature checks and all those things. But once the game starts, it's really hard to pay attention to that stuff. It's really hard not to just live your life the way you've always lived it. The Indians, they would be heading to Chicago to take on a three-game series against the White Sox, and the Reds would be home, and in the next three nights, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they would be playing the Dodgers. Well, I would be down there for that. That'd be a heck of a series to watch, wouldn't it? Yeah, it definitely would be. Hey, we'll talk to you again next week, Blake. All right, Dave. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's program. Thanks a lot for joining us here on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell for Blake Watson. Until next Monday night at 7 o'clock. Join us then. Good night, everybody.